Welcome to episode number five of the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. We call this episode Better Company, CSR Made Easy in Three Steps. Welcome to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast, the only podcast that makes corporate social responsibility easy. Now, here are your hosts, Barbara Anderson and Janet Craig. Hi, I'm Barbara Anderson, co-founder of Destination Better. And I am Janet Craig, the other co-founder of Destination Better. And we are here to talk about CSR or corporate social responsibility and to break it down and make it easy because it seems like a really big, complicated topic and it even has a number of names, doesn't it, Janet? It has, I think we have a running list and I think we're up to like 18 or something. We'll share it one day. That's right. Corporate (laughs) citizenship, corporate responsibility, sustainability, corporate triple bottom line. That's right. There's so many. ESG for environment, social and governance. I mean, it just goes on and on. Yeah. So those, we consider those all, when we talk about CSR or corporate social responsibility, all about the same things. Under our big umbrella. That's right. right. So we're going to provide a definition for CSR, how we look at it, and then jump into three steps, give you the overview of the three steps, and then jump into each of those to explain how you can apply those in any company of any size, public or private. That's right. So we are going to start with the simplest definition you'll ever hear for corporate social responsibility. And this is it. It's super simple. It's an intentional approach to business that unlocks hidden value for any company and its stakeholders. So your next question is, well, how? It's just by managing the impacts that that company has on the environment and its human stakeholders. Those are employees, customers, the communities in which it operates, its suppliers, like everybody that supplies stuff to that business, and its owners or investors. Okay. So we'll read it one more time for everyone since they're probably listening while they're driving or cooking like I do. It's an intentional approach to business that unlocks hidden value for any company and its stakeholders. And it's done just by managing the impact it has on the environment and its employees, communities, customers, suppliers, and owners. Sounds pretty simple. It sounds pretty simple. And so we're going to break it down now into three steps. CSR made easy in three steps. So number one, discover. Number one, you discover your environmental and social impacts. Number two, You prioritize those environmental and social impacts, and you especially look for risks and opportunities with each. And then number three is to implement. You create a strategy aligned to business value. So we've got discover, prioritize, and implement. So we're going to start first with discover your environmental and social impacts. That's right. Before we do that, though, I want to go back and make a note about something, and it's something that you and I talk about a lot. When we work with companies, small and large, 
and people say, oh, I don't, I don't know if I have time to do this or whatever, or I don't know if I'm doing it right. And so we found these like kind of three things that are almost just kind of like make-believe things that keep companies from, and companies are groups of people that work together, mm-hmm. right? From really taking a look at what CSR is. And that is number one, they say they're going to do it. Oh, we'll get around to it. Or, yeah, I know we use too much of this or that or the other in our business. We'll get around to it one day. Well, there's no time like the present, mm-hmm. right? That there, And we're going to talk about this today, that there is a lot of hidden value in just taking a look at what that is. And when I say value, we really mean profitability. <laughs> Number two, they really don't understand what it is. And so they just kind of don't talk about it. Like, oh, I don't know if I understand that. I don't know if I can have a conversation about that. So I'm just not going to talk about it. Well, it's there. It's not going to, you can't stick your head in the sand, right? And then the last thing is that they think they're going to do something wrong. Yeah. Or they're they're not doing enough. Mm -hmm, That's a big one. And that is just, that is so not true. Everywhere we go in all the companies that we work with, we find that they're doing great things. They just aren't telling their stories. So we hope- One of our favorite things. That's right. So we hope that you guys will take these three super duper easy steps and just kind of think it through, you know, go back to work tomorrow or today and have a fresh set of eyes and start kind of looking around. So we're going to start with environmental impacts and environmental impacts. We laughingly say everybody, can I say this? You can say that. Everybody turns on a light and flushes a toilet. That's right. We're human. And they hire people. I'm very happy to have toilets. Can I say that? Yes. <laughs> this isn't like just for big business, right? So environmental impacts occur in your everyday business. You might use paper and a printer. You might have stuff that goes in a garbage can. You might have people that are shipping stuff to and from you. Oh my gosh, all those Amazon Prime boxes I get. You turn on lights and you have energy use. You have waste. You use water. For some larger companies that have fleets, they have a lot of gasoline and fuel they use. Um, Some companies that are in big industrial type manufacturing, there are some air quality issues that you can have inside. We work with clients that are have some manufacturing and, and the air quality, you know, they tested a lot to make sure it's good so that their employees are, are safe. And then also biodiversity. So what are your impacts that you're actually having outside your company on the environment? So it's everywhere. And I think that when people stop and look, they go, oh, you know what? Yeah, you're right. Maybe here's some, you know, things that we could do. So Barbara... What about social impacts? Yeah. And one thing, last thing on environmental, because a lot of what you listed was internal, like what the company's maybe output is um, or their waste, but also environmental, severe storms, things that can happen to a company, right, related to an environment. And that drives a huge amount of work for companies. Think about flooding or hurricanes and supply chain disruptions, business continuity and discontinuity, I should say. Determining where you're going to put maybe your distribution centers or or, um, where you're going to source your talent from. Can the employees get to work? Is there going to be mudslides or fires? Yeah. So environment from the inside of the company and the outside, right? Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Sure. And so on the second, so we're in step one now, discover. So as Janet just went through, discover your environmental impacts, both internally and externally. We're going to do the same thing with the social impacts. So when we think of social internal impacts, so these are things inside of your company. So how and how are you treating your employees? Are you investing in them in training? 
How are you handling labor relations and lawsuits? And maybe you've got unions. What about diversity and inclusion? So diversity in terms of the ethnicity of people in your company and inclusion is where people feel accepted in your work environment. Are you paying attention to that and listening to your employees? And a huge one, Janet, that we know that a a lot of companies struggle with, especially in a great job market, is retention. And so it's really important to be educating your employees about what your company is doing internally and externally in terms of environmental and social to be able to impact the re- that retention. But what kind of things are you doing to manage that? Another one is safety. What actions are you proactively taking so that your employees are safe, your customers are safe, that you're not sending out products that could require a recall? Or are you serving something in your restaurant that could be maybe a little bit old? And then from the risk management perspective, so looking at what risks you have in your operation that could impact your business. You have some examples of that, Janet? Yeah, we're going to take that, I think, on the next slide. But yeah, you're right. You've got to have some management and that's the social part. Social, we think about social and human beings that you've got to also look at what's going on and how your company's being managed. And that goes back to is managed, is risk being managed? Is it, is your company running ethically? And what does that do to your culture, which goes back to that retention rate that we were just talking about? Yep. Ethics is a big one. So that's a a summary. Externally. Yeah. That's the summary of internally. So externally from the social perspective, what you need to discover here in step one is looking at your customers and how you interact with your customers. How are you educating them? What type of products and services are you offering that is going to be beneficial to them? Are there ways that maybe you can adjust your products and services so that maybe there's less packaging or there's less risks of your product not getting to the customer. The next one is the communities. And that's a really huge one, isn't it? Then you think about where you draw talent from, where you uh, recruit employees from, are you investing in those communities? And you think about a company and it has impacts kind of upstream and downstream. So even if, say, for example, you're a manufacturing facility and you're in city A, your waste and effluents may be going to city B downstream, but also it could be air pollution that's coming out of a factory. But also in terms of your community, how you are creating opportunities for employees of the future. Are you investing in education? Are there social needs that maybe you can fill? So that's an an external one that's a really big one that a lot of people, when they think about CSR, I think they really think of that community relations piece as almost that is all it is. But there's also human rights. So what are you doing to make sure that the employees that you have and where you're recruiting from, that you're paying attention to all of the rights of those individuals, the privacy of them, the data privacy, both for your employees and for your customer. And we have probably almost everybody who's listening to the podcast has unfortunately had that happen to them. I know I have in terms of having my identity stolen. And so data privacy, I think more and more so. In fact, we've even talked to somebody coming about coming on to talk about that, right? Fair marketing is another one in terms of external. Are you doing what you say you're going to do or does your product say what it's, it does it live up to how you market it? And last but not least, and this is a key word that Janet and I probably use every day is transparency. 
then by transparency, we mean externally, are you telling your story? Are you being honest about what's in your products? Or are you being honest about how you treat your employees or or what happens to your data? And you have to be transparent. And it's really hard for leaders to think about that sometimes because they don't want to say the bad things, right? We're used to marketing and sales of our company, but people will almost always trust a brand who's going to be honest with them. And if there's something that they can't do, you just say, of these 10 things that we really should be looking at, we've really focused on these six. These four we plan on working on in the next two years, and here are the steps that we plan to take. So be transparent, and that um, that and authenticity will go a long way with fostering relationships with your customers and with your employees. Right. So that was step one, discover. So we took a look at some examples of environmental. So the environmental impacts that your company has, and then the impact of the environment on your company from the outside in, and then those social impacts externally and internally. And now... Oh, and if I can add, and we should have said it at the beginning. No, (laughs) there is more because uh, we'll have this on a download. So people who have already been feverishly taking notes will actually have this as a free download and a resource on our site. And so it'll be at destinationbetter.com slash five for episode five. I just heard five. a huge sigh of relief from people. <laughs> did you hear that? I did. I did. <laughs> okay. So that was step one, discover. Yep. Step two is prioritize. And this is the kind, this is the fun part. This is where you really draw people into conversation. And, um, you know, a lot of people hear about enterprise risk management. And yes, we have teams of people that do enterprise risk management, but we're going to give you an easier way to kind of just on the surface, take a look at, at how you could be and some questions, five questions to ask yourself to help you prioritize. So first, we're going to talk about what's a risk and what's an opportunity and give you a little bit, some examples of those. And then we're going to take a look at those uh, five questions you can ask yourself. So the first thing is, what is an environmental or social risk? Well, a risk is anything that's going to expose your company to some sort of negative impact. And that can happen in any department, HR, purchasing, it doesn't sales, it doesn't matter where it is. And so it could be something that is a one-time event, like that weather event that you just Mm -hmm. talked about. It could be a huge data breach. These are things that happen very quickly all at once, and you have to be prepared for them. And the other kind of risks are like these little silent, it's like a dripping water faucet. You know, (laughs) they're progressive, they're chronic like employee turnover, where if you don't measure it, it just kind of creeps up and creeps up or like a slight change in culture that just kind of is like, it changes and changes. And all of a sudden the culture of your company is like, wow, you know, not so awesome. Right. So those are those chronic progressive risks. And also things that may be adding to your bottom line Mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, this is great. It's adding to our bottom line, but it actually has a negative impact on someone else. Like 
we were talking about air pollution, I think, for mm -hmm. manufacturing communities where we have large manufacturing that, you know, maybe you have air pollution or noise pollution, or maybe there's some effluent that your company is unfortunately putting into some body of water somewhere that's carrying it downstream, or you have a data center that's using a lot of water to cool all this data, and it's in a community that it's going through a drought. So those mm -hmm. are those things that they may be helping your business, but actually they have a negative impact. And at some point in time, somebody's going to raise their hand and go, we don't like what's going on here, right? So we have to be prepared for those. Next, what's an opportunity? We always see opportunities as places where we can solve problems and innovate and get everybody in the room and to solve that problem and come up with some great ideas that add business value. That's always number one. That's right. So things like uh, what we help companies with is just taking a step back, looking at what happens when you... One of my favorite things, you know, every time we go on site to a client, I, Barbara knows the first thing I'm going to do is go to the dumpster and take a picture. It's so embarrassing. And I want to see what's in there <laughs> because that's where we find the low hanging fruit to solutions, right? Where people can innovate with their supply chain and go, you know what? We're not feeling so great about all this styrofoam and plastic. Maybe we could work together to figure out a better way. It could also be doing something like skills-based volunteering, which I know Barbara is near and dear That's to your right. heart. Very and so I want you to talk about that for a second, if you sure. don't mind. Skills-based volunteering. So it's a way to look at how you can engage with the community. And it has a number of benefits, both internally and externally. So skills-based volunteering is when you can have employees and they want to share their skills in the community. So let's say that you're in finance, right? And you're, or you're an accountant. So you want to do something in the community. Well, a traditional employee volunteer program may send somebody out to fill boxes for the food bank, which is all noble. But is there a way to, for that accountant's expensive time to add more value to the business? So to the, to the community, I should say. So maybe they go and teach a personal finance class or they They help. do, or they yeah. want to sit on a board yep. and they can add those skills there. So it benefits that individual because it's always going to brush up their skills. It's going to put that skill in a new light. But what I've also found is that the accountant often wants to serve in marketing roles <laughs> or another role so that they can learn because it's a great opportunity to learn in a safe environment. You're still getting a professional who's in the community. And as I often say, what look for that magic intersection of what is the greatest need in the community and what is it that your company can give back. And so skills-based volunteering is enormous. It fosters relationships. So say if you have a public um, relations crisis, the community is going to remember Don, the accountant who came to do whatever, right? They're not going to look at the big megacorp. They're going to say, wow, you know, Don was really great. So just internally and externally, and it makes the person feel good. And it also adds perspective to their lives and to their way that they operate inside of the company because they get out into the community and they see it from a different way. So whether people are in need or they see huge opportunities, they can make connections. They could even be recruiting people by fostering those relationships. So that's skills-based volunteering in a Thank nutshell. You. You're welcome. Thank you. So we're going to take a look at these kind of five questions. So if you're thinking about your business and you've said, wow, Janet, that's a really interesting thing. I didn't think about, you know, those kind of things as risks or those kind of things as opportunities or, you know, I've seen that opportunity, but I just haven't done anything about it. Well, somebody else is probably going, 
I see an opportunity too, but nobody's asked me. So you guys need to get together and get the problem or, solved, right? Or uh, be brave and bring it forward. That's right. Mm-hmm. Be brave and bring it forward. So the, the, that everyday gonna, superhero ev- would do that. That's right. Mm-hmm. There are some really cool companies, um, two of which I've worked for, that have really cool internal uh, social and environmental awards mm-hmm. around innovation. Mm-hmm. And oh my gosh, it was it was a really exciting time of year. So we're going to go through these five questions you can ask yourself in order to say, okay, we've defined all these risks and we've defined all these opportunities, but um, we really want to like put them in some kind of, how do we prioritize? So the Sustainability Accounting Standards Board uses something called a five-factor test. And it's one of my favorite things. And in our last podcast, the one just before this, when we talk about Better You, we talk about- Episode number four. Episode number four, sorry. We talk about efficient decision making. Right. This is a really good example of efficient decision making. So it's a five-factor test. You don't have to take notes. We're going to give them to you. Number one, does that risk or opportunity that you've newly discovered- have some sort of impact on your bottom line? Is it adding to the bottom line? Is it taking away from the bottom line? Uh, That's number one. Okay. Pretty simple. Number two is the legal part of that. Is there any kind of regulation pending or existing associated with that subject? We have clients that have global operations. Mm -hmm. And I know that every time we take a look at you know, just kind of revisit what's going on from an, even from an energy perspective, that there is a lot of regulation that happens in their local markets that increases their tariffs on energy spend. Those are things that we you know, take a look at at some point in time, they're going to break through some sort of a threshold where they're going to go, okay, we got to do something about this, right? So number one, does it add value to the bottom line or take away? And number two, is there any kind of regulation pending or existing? And Barbara It's going to take the next three. That's right. And on the legal one, as you were talking about that, Janet, remind me for a number of clients, we've written their United Kingdom Modern Slavery Act response, which if you meet a certain threshold of revenue in the United Kingdom or the UK, you have to file a statement that says what your company is doing to fight modern day slavery or human trafficking, which is a great thing. California has a similar act. So it's another good example, I think, of a regulation that's existing. And, and, you know, we've written these, they're called UKMSAs. So we've done, we've written several, Mm -hmm. but one of them, our client, we saw that they were starting to reach that revenue threshold and we knew that they were going to have to respond to it at some point. And so we talked to them about it and they decided to be proactive and they started doing their UK MSA statement a couple of years before they got to the threshold, gave themselves a little cushion and started doing the right thing. So it's, it's a good yeah, example good of doing of it. instead of what is it, the spirit of the law instead of the letter of the law, but they were yeah. being proactive. Yeah, so that's definitely. a good example, Janet. And as we are trying to prioritize these risks and opportunities, the third we, we have is what's taking place with your competition. Are your peers or are your competition disclosing information that you may not? So one example that immediately comes to mind that I think everybody can relate to, because I think we all like to eat. I do. And we are looking more and more at what's in our food, I think, especially as the generations get younger. And so we need to know what type of ingredients are in our food. So 
people are more and more looking at packaging. They're looking on websites for uh, what ingredients are in there, where they're sourced from, what type of chemicals, maybe what processing was used. We even see that on menus when we go, you oh, yeah. see it on a menu and mm-hmm. somebody says on their menu, oh, that's, I've got, you know, our greens are from our local farm or whatever. Well, if the restaurant next door isn't doing that and I don't see it on their menu, I'm going to go to the other restaurant because I think they're cooler. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, again, that's back to that whole word that we like to use is transparency yeah. as well, right? Yeah. So as we think about competition, Janet and I, as a side note, and our team participated in a really large national U.S. study earlier this year where we interviewed 40 different food companies uh, and who they were like um, consumer packaged goods, retailers, so like grocery stores, processors, so companies who process several ingredients and then you buy it on the shelf in the can or in the box or something. And what was the fourth? Restaurants. Restaurants. Thank you. So restaurants. So we interviewed 40 companies within those four different areas and they were all really great, really, really great. And But I think we really love talking to the farmers and ranchers. So we interviewed 20 farmers and ranchers and asked them about what's taking place on their farm. What are companies asking them? And, And if you think about when you stand in the grocery store and you're looking at a package and you're looking at what ingredients are on there, those had to get on there somehow, right? And all of that detail or on the website. So what happens if you think about going backwards in the supply chain is that company has to ask the farmers and ranchers what some of their practices are, whether they're environmental, how they're treating their animals, how they're storing products, the transportation practices are. So the farmers, say if you grow beets, for example, then you've got four customers that you sell your beets to. Well, all four of those customers may be asking things in a different way, in a different time, different questions. And then imagine if you have quite a production, which I think, what is it like? Eight, and this, don't quote me on this, but like 80% of all farms in the US are still mom and pop farms. Not oh, the big, yeah. Yeah. You're close to so. it. Mm-hmm. So, say if you have five different things that you grow and you've got four customers for each of those, and you've got 20 different <laughs> organizations asking you for data. So, the moral of that story is that the companies are asking for this data because they see it as a way to compete, right? Mm -hmm. Competitively differentiate their products. Yeah. Shelf space, eyeballs. So you might, as you're standing in the grocery aisle, you may pick one product or another, or Janet just gave the example of a restaurant. So competition is one that you need to keep an eye on. How much are they telling their story about social and environmental? And and I really don't get to watch TV much anymore, (laughs) but... Every time I do, I don't think I sit through a full hour of commercials without seeing some product. And that is really, that is what they're focused on is their social and environmental. It's not really on the products as much as talking about how they're good stewards of the land or that type of thing. And we know that um, millennials and Gen Zs are making up the majority of the workplace. And we also know that if you look at this from not only a competitive a place of competition with your competitors for like sales revenue. But what about talent? You know, if that talent Mm -hmm. that, you know, talent, you know, I I had lunch with one of my kids today. That's right. You lucky devil. I know. And we had lunch with someone who's in finance and we were talking through some different things for him, getting him set up for hopefully an internship and things like that. And a sustainability accounting standards board credential that we were talking through different financial institutions, but the biggest thing that they talked about was culture. 
Oh, right. Yeah, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Culture and how they're sustainable financing and all those things. They are not dumb. You know, they know exactly what they're doing, what they're recruiting for. So that competition isn't always shelf space, although it's a a really good point. Right. Mm -hmm. But if your company is doing really awesome things and you've got HR out there recruiting and they're not telling your sustainability story and your competition is, Mm -hmm. that is a risk with an opportunity attached to it. There you go. Yeah. And having done college recruiting, I can say that I was always deliberate in giving our, uh, after being a recruiter and then being the head of global corporate responsibility, I was always made sure that our HR team was armed with the information that they needed. So in terms of step number two, prioritizing, we'll go on to the next one. The fourth item is stakeholders. And the question is, are topics being raised about some issue in your business? And so when we say stakeholders, a lot of times people think shareholders, but stakeholders really encompass everything from employees to customers, your supply chain, both where you buy things from, where you send things to, and then your investors or the owners of the company. And so What we see in large part, we talked about how we're starting to ask questions of companies. And certainly when people are recruiting or interviewing at companies, they're asking questions. And I had an an example in my previous company and a manager who was really engaged in our community initiatives. She came to me and she says, you know, I'm getting more and more questions about this. She said, I had a candidate and we had this great interview. And at the end of it, he goes, listen, I see that you guys do all this stuff in the community online and you're looking at your environmental impacts. But is that true? Is it really? Yeah. He was wondering, like, I've interviewed at companies and then I found out it wasn't really true. So, which we call greenwashing. So it is important. And that was 10 years ago. That's So I know it's more and more important today. So look, and Janet can certainly, we could do a whole episode about how shareholders are bringing topics to the companies in the form of proxies, right? Mm -hmm. So the last one in terms of prioritizing your risks and opportunities here in step number two is differentiation. So this is even more so on the opportunity side, which we always like to think that we're glass half full. But is there an opportunity to innovate? And what immediately comes to my mind is some consumer products companies. And every company, their responsibility is to make money and give and to return it to their investors, to the owners of the company. So they're looking for ways to expand. Well, a lot of companies, because in the U.S. market it's saturated, they're looking for creative ways to develop products outside of the U.S. And there's some of the consumer products companies who are going to developing countries and staying there for two or three months to really immerse themselves in what some of the challenges are that they're having so that they can develop products that meet those needs. While they are innovating and they're creating a new product that they're going to make money on, they also are really serving a community's need, right? So we know that, let's say in the case of soap, if you aren't able to wash your hands or you don't have a product or you don't have water to wash your hands, and this company can come up with something that will help kill germs so that your family members don't get sick and the bacteria can be cut down. So that's an opportunity for differentiation. It could also be in the marketing. And I know like we see commercials like, isn't it Walgreens? It has like, get a flu shot, we'll give a shot, Mm -hmm. right? And so there's a lot of those type of things. And, And there was also a few years ago, IBM, when it turned 100 years old, 
they actually sent teams to a hundred different cities. Yes, this is amazing. Yeah, you want to you tell that story? No, I don't want to tell the story. But <laughs> I just I thought it was, and this is when this was. Gosh, this is ten years ago. Yeah, at least I thought it was just what an amazing foresight. Yeah, so they sent people employees. I think for around three to six months at a time to really do deep dives in cities to see about their infrastructure, how they were doing in terms of their technology, to advise, to help them streamline their systems. And it was brilliant. It was a volunteer, air quotes, volunteer project, but I'm sure they fostered those relationships if there was a need that IBM could fill. Mm -hmm. But it was done with the intention of this is a way, as we talked about that magic intersection, right, of of what do you uniquely provide and what's the greatest need. And so we know a lot of cities and counties, the government infrastructure was built, whoever knows how long ago, and are often kind of behind the time. So that was, they saw that as a way to give back. I think we could do a really cool show on innovation because I have so many stories I want to tell right now, but I know that we need to move on. So I'm going to make a promise that we're going to do a whole thing on innovation and really show how these groups of people, like we know someone who works in logistics and distribution and oh my gosh, the bubble wrap that they were using. Well, one of the employees is like, geez, we're using a lot of plastic. They actually designed and now are manufacturing and selling on the open market Mm -hmm. a brown craft paper that is made from recycled paper and is recyclable that completely replaces bubble wrap. It's the coolest thing. And that's the kind of, this is someone who's in a distribution center going, plastic bubble wrap, not okay. We've got it. We've got to find a better way. Mm -hmm. So yeah, let's do that. Okay. So we've got number one, just as a recap, step two to how to prioritize. Number one. Does it add value or does it take away from your bottom line? Number two, is there any kind of regulation pending or existing that may have an impact on your business in this specific topic that you've identified? Number three, are peers already disclosing this information? Like, is your competition already doing this and you're just not doing it? Number four, is the topic being brought forward by any of your stakeholders, customers, suppliers, employees in the community, your investors? And then number five, is there an opportunity for you to innovate, to really do something great and solve a problem with this? That's right. So that was step number two. And now we jump into the last step, which is step number three, to implement. So in order to implement, you want to develop a strategy. And this is really, I think, um, for a CSR professional, this is super key because this, by developing a strategy that's relevant to what your business needs are in the five different areas that we talked about last, Janet, this is where you build your infrastructure to be able to say no <laughs> to all the hundred people who comes to you to come to you in the course of the month and say, hey, I have an idea, I have an idea. And then when you explain it to them of why you why your strategy is adding value to the business, how it is, especially if you can calculate it and use your favorite four-letter word data to prove it to them, then they like, oh, well, that makes total sense. Otherwise, you're almost defenseless. So you really do need a strategy and then to implement that. So we've got four steps on this. And everything that we do in terms of strategy, we want it to add value to the business. That's We should write down like our 10 top 
favorite sayings. We and that's the first Data, one. Data, ROI, so, value to the business. That's right. So everything that you do and your strategy try to business value. And as Janet said, it will hit the bottom line, but it may not be a direct hit to the bottom line, but you want it to tie. So in terms of the company's reputation. So if you think about the reputation in the community, and even if it's not a reputation that's with a consumer product, but when you need to go to the government and get things done, let's say, for example, even it's like local city council. We know of companies here in St. Petersburg, in sunny St. Petersburg, who have done everything to the letter of the law, like maybe wanting to develop a building, but they haven't fostered those relationships. So when this new company comes in, they're like, hey, look at this beautiful facility we're going to build, and it's going to be fabulous. And the locals are thinking, I don't think so. We don't know who you are. We don't know if we want you in our community. So reputation and, and everything around business value, whether it's your employees, whether it's the things that you take on in your company to add value so it can be something, as Janet said, maybe saving expenses with buying different products for packaging. And also, to, uh, and, and we talked about this in, in our previous episode, Better You, is when you really understand people that are on your team, so you've discovered this risk or opportunity, you're not the only person who's addressing this. There are other people that have to be brought into this in your company. One of the things that we need to really know is how that other person or department is compensated or adds value to the mm -hmm. business so that you can figure out where exactly it is that you can help add value to the business, right? Maybe we talk a, a lot about this because it's such a simple example, employee turnover or energy cost mm -hmm. or, you know, whatever, but really understanding who on who is tied to that risk and opportunity, everyone who's tied to that risk and opportunity in how their department either makes money or spends money or uses money or down to sales, right? So right. really understanding that, having a good knowledge. So in this step three, as you implement and tie everything to the business value, then you really have like a Loctite case, if you will. And in it also, as we've talked before, the CSR professional almost chronically has to define his or her value to the organization, unlike any other function in the company. So this is something that proactively to have that, then you're in a better position when you have the senior executive come and want to cut $200,000 out of your budget. You can say, but look, this is a business value. But I will add one last thing on this business value thing is that you need to continually communicate this. You can't wait until you're asked. You have to be a big marketer. You have to explain to people. And it also helps to foster those relationships outside of the company and inside the company. So communicate it. Especially when you're putting more money in people's pockets. They love that. That's right. Yeah. So number two, assign responsibilities. So as you're developing a strategy and implementing, you need to assign responsibilities. And we talked about this in episode number four, Better You, because the CSR professional just absolutely cannot do everything. Mm -hmm. And by not being able to do everything, you wouldn't be able to make the progress if it was only you. So you really have to recruit people. And like we said, we suggest you listen to episode number four, where we go in greater detail on that. But by not 
engaging others, you're really depriving them of an opportunity to give back, whether it's inside the company or outside. And it's really not fair. (laughs) So engage others and assign responsibilities. And when people know that they are responsible for something, it's not just like, hey, it would be nice if No, I mean, this actually, in terms of assigning responsibilities, you want it to be on their performance evaluation for the year, right? So when you get more formally engaged with the company, you can say out of, you know, this level of management has these responsibilities. Or if you have somebody who takes on a really large volunteer program, say, or fundraising program, whatever it is, if they have that on their performance evaluation, it also helps to protect them so it doesn't look like they're not doing their job. This is part of what they also agree in advance with their manager that this is something that they're going to take on. So that's number two, assign responsibilities. Number three is agree on how progress will be tracked. And (laughs) I know, I'm going to say it, data, (laughs) that... I have made some pretty crazy Excel spreadsheets on Mm -hmm. tracking for companies that don't have their own sustainability data management systems. And there's lots of them on the market. But if you have to start someplace, Excel is great. But really tracking progress over time and making some charts and having some big aha moments like, oh my gosh, we had no idea. I was working with a, a facilities manager once and he said, I don't need to track energy and water. And I said, well, let's just take a look at it and see what happens. You know, let's just see what happened over the course mm-hmm. of a year. He came back into my office one day with this like pale look on his face. And he said, oh my God, thank you so much. I, I can't believe that you got me to do this. I'm like, oh, that's, you know, no problem. And he says, no, 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 we had a water leak and we didn't know about it. Mm. You and, see a spike in that bill, huh? And it just, yeah. And I thought I thought maybe they'd made a data entry error. Mm. And no, absolutely not. They had a leak and they had no idea. And so when we get a, a baseline data and then we track that data, we can track data that is assigned to things we call, I'm going to go, I'm going to get a little technical here, intensity factors. And that is how much did we spend per square foot on energy Or how much did XYZ program cost us per hour of the person who, you know, helped us Mm -hmm. out with it or something like that. So you can get a little, you can get slightly technical with it, but for the most part, you've just got to keep it, keep it written down. Like the types of initiatives that pass the five factor test that we just talked about, how much do we think it's costing us? How much do you think we could save? Please, please, please bring your vendors in to this too, because they love to help you find ways to save money. And also they have some systems that are already set up for customers to track. So there may be a free tool out there and you don't even know it. And one of your suppliers has got it. So track that progress, do it over time. And then your ROI is built in. Yeah. And if I could add to that, Janet, I think as part of what I know you're about to say next, Uh, in terms of our steps. I think if you can come up with a dashboard, right, like a one page, simple explanation. So you know that there's uh, tens of thousands of data points underneath that. But if you can say these are the for this year, these are the things that we're going to track. This is what our goals are and boil it down so that people can understand it and get on board. And you'd be surprised how many people will come up to you that you didn't even know in the company. And they're like, hey, I saw that published. You know what? I noticed this in my role. And maybe this is something we could do to help meet that goal. So it's important to keep it simple where um, you need to have the technical things to actually make it happen, but to communicate it. So I I am big on tracking monthly and reporting quarterly. Okay. 
People, they don't, if you report every month and go, look, we did this. They're like, yeah, whatever. You know, they, but if you do it quarterly and you can see a really big impact, people get excited about that. We help clients that are other CSR professionals with their quarterly updates, even for their board. Yeah. And so we know when we put together board level updates, they have to be like really boiled down, but it's impactful. And so report. Keep your data going monthly, all that stuff that you're collecting and doing and making sure your initiatives and your risks and opportunities are are being managed and then report quarterly and maybe have a, you know, you can do something really cool at the end of that year that shows how, how far you're, you know, how, That's right. how much progress is made, which brings us to the last one. The last one. Which is tell your story. Oh my gosh, do we need to say it again? <laughs> <laughs> and it's don't tell it just one time. You no. almost have to tell it every tell day. It over and over because number one, if you take a look at the stakeholders in your company and you look at yourself, especially if you're a CSR pro, you've got number one, you've got to tell your own story, right? This is why I'm here. This is what we're doing. Yeah, you have to justify your existence, unfortunately. Yeah. That's the fact of the matter. Yeah. So telling your story isn't just for what's the story that we're telling to our customers and suppliers and communities. Mm-hmm. It's what are we doing internally? What am I doing as a professional, number one? Number two, inside my company. Number two, what's my company doing inside my company? Because there's things that we talk about inside companies that we don't talk about outside mm-hmm. companies, and that's okay. And then uh, number three, what are we doing outside our company? You know, that great innovation story, that great community impact story, how you're managing social and environmental stuff, how, like Barbara said at the beginning, so you found 10 things, you're doing six really well, talk about the things that you're doing really well and give some quarterly updates on the four Yep, or an annual update. Yeah, and some ways to do that too. There's a number internally and externally, and we'll focus more in the future episodes about communications with Things as simple as like infographics, make it visual for people, right? And when you're in meetings, integrate what you're doing and work it into the conversation that you have. And so it's not like one big push that you have. It has to be something ongoing. So tell that story. Absolutely. Those are gold mines there. Okay, so step one, discover your environmental and social impacts. Step two, prioritize them with that fabulous five-factor test. And step three, implement them with business value, assigning responsibilities, agreeing on how stuff is going to be tracked, and then the big carrot at the end, right? That's Telling right. your story. Tell your story. Hopefully these three steps, as we said, we've gonna, we'll have them in a download um, that you can go to destinationbetter.com slash five to download this tool. And we hope it gives you some framework, whether you're a CSR professional at a really large company, if you are a small company and you just don't know where to begin, you can pick some of these and run with those. And the one thing we always say is just keep it relevant to your business. Think about what's taking place in your industry. But we believe in you. We believe that you can create a better company. And we're providing these tools so that others can take these and run with them and make a difference because we really want to make a big impact around the world. And by taking these tools that are on our computers and sharing them (laughs) with others, we are just astounded at what can happen. And, And I've seen it before in other initiatives where you give information and let people run and And we're excited to hear how others will be able to use this information. And so let us know on our 
social channels, you can go to our website. We've got that multi-generational friendly website, don't we, Janet? We do. You know, we have to practice what we preach ourselves. So if we say that we're going to track our progress, we need our listeners to help us track our progress. Mm -hmm. And so tell your story, share it on social media, go to the say hello tab on our website and click on that little button and just leave us up to a three, I think, minute voicemail. Tell us how to get in touch with you and tell us your story. We want to hear. Share us with us on Instagram. Send us some pictures. Join our community on our Facebook group. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's another great place to learn what others are doing in our Facebook group. It is a free group. It's gated. So we want to make sure that folks who are coming in are coming in for the right reasons. But it's growing quickly. And so we're excited to see the interaction of the people in there. So thank you for listening to us today on this episode, Better Company, the second in a two-part series. And we called it CSR Made Easy in Three Steps. We'd love to have you share this so that others can benefit from these three steps. We'd love to have you ask questions and uh, clarify things. We're here as a resource for you. So thank you for listening. And until next time. Thank you for listening to the Creating Responsible Companies podcast. Find tools and additional episodes on our website, destinationbetter.com. If there's a topic you'd like us to cover, leave a voice message on our contact page. Don't worry, Barbara and Janet aren't millennials. They actually listen to voicemails. Don't forget to follow us on Facebook, LinkedIn, and Instagram. 